The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. This hour of the Costa Report is brought to you by IBM. Big data at the speed of business. Welcome to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and thank you for joining me for another two hours of Straight Talk Radio. Before we get our program started, I want to welcome members of our armed forces who are joining us over the Internet. In just a moment, Pulitzer Prize-winning journalist Clarence Page will be joining us to talk about the issues which are likely to play a role in the midterm elections, including charges of racism, which are beginning to resurface, 435 seats in the House, one-third of the Senate, and 38 governorships will be in play this November, and it's not at all clear which direction several seats will fall. But before Mr. Page joins us, as is my custom each week, let me tell you a little about his background. Clarence Page was born in Dayton, Ohio. His first encounter with journalism came in high school when he began working on the school's biweekly newspaper. Later, while attending Ohio University, Page freelanced for the Middletown Journal and Cincinnati Inquirer. After graduating from the university, he joined the Chicago Tribune. Shortly afterwards, Page was drafted into military service and was assigned as a military journalist at Fort Lewis. He returned to the Tribune once his service was completed, where he became a foreign correspondent, assistant city editor, and investigative reporter. In 1980, Page joined WBBM-TV, a CBS-owned station, as a director of Community Affairs Department, where he produced, reported, and acted as planning editor. Then in 1984, Page returned to the Tribune as a columnist and member of the editorial board. His column is presently syndicated, appearing in more than 150 newspapers across the country. Page has been a panelist and political commentator on the Chris Matthews show, The McLaughlin Group, The News Hour with Jim Lair, Lead Story, Weekend Edition, and a host of other news programs. He's been the recipient of two Pulitzer Prizes, the ACLU's J- J- James P. McGuire Award, the Illinois UPI Award, and the Edward Scott Beck Award, and many other acknowledgments. We don't have time to go into all of them today. I want to also add that Mr. Page is the author of best-selling books, Showing My Color, Impolite Essays on Race and Identity. It's my pleasure to welcome to the Costa Report acclaimed journalist and commentator, Mr. Clarence Page. Welcome. Yes, my pleasure to be here. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> well, here's what got my interest. I got to I got to uh, fess up to you. Last month you penned an article titled Why Democrats Are Playing the Race Card. And in the article you point out that the chairman of the Democratic Congressional Campaign Committee said that the Republican base does have elements that are animated by racism on CNN. And you say that House Minority Leader Nancy Pelosi made similar accusations about the GOP's position on immigration. And Eric Holder also seems to be implying that race is at the heart of GOP opposition. In your commentary, you pose three theories about why the talk of racism is suddenly heating up again. So can I ask you to talk about that for a moment? Well, sure. I... uh uh, don't, I don't recall exactly what order I, I stated my uh, theories, uh, but uh, I uh, do know that I, I was curious about this because so far in the five, six years of the Obama era, uh, we've seen uh, uh, Democrats and Republicans steer clear of talking directly about the very little secret in American politics, which is that there's racism at the base in both parties. Uh, but uh, with the uh, with the uh, Democrats, they have kept uh, they haven't talked much about this in public, uh, especially President Obama himself. He left it to other people to uh, bring up that angle. Uh, but it struck me as curious that all of a sudden you've got at least three prominent Democrats 
uh, speaking uh, about this at, at this time. And I'm wondering why. And my main theory is that uh, it's the midterm elections. Uh, Democrats are going into the midterms at a distinct disadvantage, uh, have a possibility of losing the Senate, and uh, that uh, they uh, find uh, a number of them find that uh, it uh, makes sense right now uh, to bring up the fact that that uh, dirty little, little R word is still lurking out there. Well, your first theory was that there's just been pent up frustration. And now that we're well into Obama's second term, it's it's gloves off time. But theory number two is that they wanted to energize their non-white base for these midterm elections. And and I guess if that's the case, then we're going to hear this kind of language heat up quite a bit between now and November, aren't we? I suspect that it's going to be mainly targeted, though, to the local level, because there are some districts where it plays better than others. Uh, Obviously, the districts where you've got a heavy concentration of Democrats, the big concern is not whether Democrats are going to win the midterms, but how big the turnout is going to be. And and that's especially uh, a problem for Democrats among younger voters and uh, um, minority voters, uh, 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 black, Hispanic, Asian uh, the uh, younger voters and minority voters, and for that matter, uh, single women, uh, too, uh, tend to vote Democratic, uh, made the difference for Obama in 2012. Uh, but uh, in the midterms, you expect older, wider, and more conservative voters to show up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, for both sides, the big question is going to be how, how well can we rally the base? Yeah, that that's true. I, I wonder, you know, I, I don't want to use the root words racism fatigue, but I wonder if if there's just the possibility that once Obama was elected, uh, did people in their minds have a checklist and say, OK, we made a historic move. Uh, we have a black president um, enough already. And now let's move on with the issues. Or do you think that uh, this can backfire in some way with the Democrats bringing this forward? I think uh, there's always a possibility of backfiring, but I think the, uh, Democrats are also looking strategically at what have we got to lose. Uh, already the conservative base is excited, and the uh, liberal base is not. So <laughs> I yeah. think that's, that's what's, again, this is theory. I don't uh, know that sure. Democrats have, have met behind closed doors and decided, okay, let's talk about race again. Uh, but, you know, let's, let's look at, at what you mentioned. Uh, racism fatigue. I think uh, there's a lot of truth to that. Uh, what you found after 2008, there was a lot of celebration on the left that uh, what a great uh, achievement uh, we've made, while on the right we saw backlash uh, arise. And going into the 2012 presidential race, what happened? We in the media predicted that the uh, conservative whites would be energized and that uh, liberals and minorities uh, would be uh, disenchanted, disaffected. What we found was that on both sides there was a fall off in the turnout, except among black voters. Uh, black voters turned out in record numbers in 2012. Mm-hmm. And why, why is that? One of the big reasons was uh, they uh, were angry over reports that Republicans uh, were suppressing, trying to suppress the minority vote. Mm-hmm. And uh, we don't actually see uh, much evidence that they had any success if that was the case. But certainly there was a lot of excitement on the uh, among black voters and uh, the very possibility of voter suppression was a, a very strong uh, energizing force for black voters. And for the first time in recorded history, the black turnout rate was higher than the white rate. Uh, so we see that, uh, you know, you, you can talk about post-racial America all you want to, but it's still true that nothing moves the needle like race. Well, that is true. And, and you know, it's been pointed out more than once that perception is reality. If you, yeah, if you think people are, are uh, conspiring against you, you're probably going to, you know, proactively get together and, uh, and make sure that that doesn't happen. Uh, and that clearly was represented in the uh, voting statistics in this last presidential election. But, you know, in, 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 since your article, Senator Rockefeller said that the reason for gridlock is racism. And, um, there's been an opposition to the federal judge appointing in Georgia, which also has painted, uh, with the racism brush. 
Uh, yeah, I, I'm not uh, uh, that familiar with the Georgia race, but uh, I uh, have heard that that uh, has risen, and uh, we've seen uh, really reports lately of explicit uh, uh, racial expression popping up in a lot of different places, from a, a sheriff who just left his job to the uh, to the uh, uh, owner of the uh, L.A. Clippers. Uh, yeah, well, we're going to talk about that in a moment because obviously that's that's all over the headlines and that one's hard to ignore. We have to take a short break. Uh, when we come back, we're going to find out whether there are some accusations against which you cannot defend. You're listening to the Costa Report. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. This data is big data. Big data is all data and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM big data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start, it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com slash big data today. Every day our world gets more complicated. Not only is new information coming at us faster than we can manage, new regulations, technology, and the effects of globalization have made it much more difficult to succeed. That's why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle, a book that, for the first time, explains how complexity makes it hard to separate facts from fiction and eventually causes us to make important decisions based on unproven beliefs. And not just us, our leaders also fall prey to this phenomena. But here's the good news. Once you know the symptoms to watch for, you can safeguard against them. So please, go to RebeccaCosta.com. That's RebeccaCosta.com. And order your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. It only takes a few minutes and the shipping is free. That's RebeccaCosta.com. Do it now. You'll be glad you did. Ace is the place. Ace Hardware Stores, ladies and gentlemen, located in Watsonville, Freedom, Marina, Salinas, and Gilroy. These are the five Ace Hardware Stores run by my friends Manuel and Carlos Rodriguez, two brothers in Watsonville who've been on the hardware business for 25 years, long enough to know that when you walk into a hardware store, you want service. You know the merchandise is there, but you don't want to have to walk up and down the aisles for God knows how long to try to locate it. You want somebody to walk up to you and say, Hi, welcome to Ace Hardware. What brought you to us today? You give the answer, and the next thing you know, you're in the right part of the store looking at the merchandise you want to see. That's the service you get at Ace Hardware Stores in Watsonville on Main Street, in Freedom, corner of Green Valley Road and Freedom Boulevard, in Marina on Reservation Road, in Salinas on North Sanborn, and in Gilroy on First Street. These are the five Ace Hardware Stores that Rodriguez Brothers run, and those are the ones you want to go to. That's the place you'll get what you want every single day. Monday through Friday, 8 to 8, Saturday and Sunday, 8 to 6. Ace Hardware, your ace in the hole. Hi, this is Ethan Behrman, a host on the ZBS Radio Network, and I'd like to introduce you to the all-new ZBSRadio.com. ZBS Radio brings you a variety of talk radio programming on subjects like health and nutrition, politics, personal finance, gardening, pet care, technology, and so much more. At ZBSRadio.com, you'll find podcasts as well as live and on-demand streams of exciting and informative talk radio programming that's available to you 24 hours a day, seven days a week on your computer or mobile phone. Listen on the web using our streaming player or in your iTunes or other listening software. Also, be sure to check the app section of our website to find mobile apps that make listening to your favorite shows even easier. Check the shows page at zbsradio.com to see our current lineup of shows. New shows will be added all the time. Thank you for listening to the ZBS Radio Network.
Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is journalist and popular commentator, Mr. Clarence Page. And before the break, we were talking about um, uh, how charges of racism seem to be creeping into the headlines again as we get closer to the midterm elections, and how this may very well be designed to energize the non-white Democratic base who turned up in record numbers to elect President Obama for a uh, second term. Um So let's talk about uh, one of the more controversial issues which has been painted as racist, um, voter identification. Uh, What do you say to folks who claim requiring voter identification is a racist policy? I I, I mean, I I travel a lot, so do you. You have to have certain types of government identification to get through TSA at the airport, and I, I don't see anyone accusing the TSA of being racist, so I'm a little confused by that. Well, actually, TSA has been accused of racism. That's a different issue. Uh, just no racial profiling. Uh, you know, this is the trouble with with the, the R word that uh, everybody's got different ideas of what you mean when you say racist. Some uh, feel like if you don't, if you're not wearing a a, a hood and uh, burning a cross, then uh, the R word doesn't apply to you. But uh, it does apply to actions or policies that have racial consequences or, or racially uh, biased consequences. And that's certainly true of requiring voter ID. Uh, the, um, uh, there's there's a, a, a little question that uh, uh, both uh, the poor and minorities are more likely to be turned away from the polling places uh, where voter ID is required. Uh, and that is why so many judges have thrown out voter ID requirements because they have discriminatory consequences. In, in the real world of real politics, we know that uh, different Parties, different politicians at the local level uh, will try different tricks. Uh, There was a Texas voter ID law that was tossed out because, among other things, uh, it would accept an uh, NRA membership card uh, for voter registration, but wouldn't accept a university uh, ID from uh, one of the state's universities. Uh, it's obvious that's going to have the consequence of turning away more liberal voters than conservative ones. Uh, But the main thing is just... Uh, the whole idea of voter ID uh, uh, reacts badly uh, among African Americans. I'm old enough to remember uh, the last days before the Civil Rights and Voting Rights Act was passed, and I remember uh, my elders who are from Alabama talking about uh, how they get turned away from the polls after being tested uh, with such literacy tests uh, as uh, you know how many uh, words are in the Bible or uh, how many bubbles are in a bar of soap. Uh, this kind of thing uh, went on ever since the Reconstruction to uh, the passage of the Voting Rights Act. And now there's still the various suppression methods that are used that are more subtle. Is, is this a case of what type of ID or, or is it just voter identification in general? Because I, I, I'm in favor of voter identification, but I don't understand why we can't publish a, a list, a menu, if you will, and say any of these types of voter ID is fine. Well, it's not just the ID. You've got to look at the consequences of it. Uh, in, in North Carolina, for example, they found cases where uh, people, in order to register to vote, uh, had to travel uh, a couple of miles or more from their home, and there were people who didn't have uh, easy transportation. Uh, in, in a lot of these areas, there's a real consequence to uh, regulations that require you to go to certain places in order to register, and uh, it means that uh, there's going to be uh, a, a lot of resentment and backlash. And again, let's look at, look at practical politics. That's what we're talking about here. We're not, we're not right. talking about you know, getting through a, a checkpoint or something. We're talking about practical politics. Republicans know they've already alienated uh, blacks, Hispanics, Asian voters uh, because uh, of policies that are perceived as discriminatory in these communities. It's hard for you to have minority outreach and at the same time advocate voter ID. Even um, a, a, a Rand Paul, as I uh, mentioned in a recent column, uh, has come out, has turned against voter ID, even though he personally favors it. Uh, he says, you know, we should, Republicans need to stop making a big deal out of this because it is angering, not just turning off, but it's making black voters angry. Right. Uh, that's not what you want to do as a politician. But if you have voter identification requirement for anybody, for all people that are voting, how is that singling out any particular race? Well, take it to the judge. 
uh, different uh, judges, uh, different cases uh, have found uh, different consequences that uh, are either racially biased or not. Uh, and uh, again, that uh, you know, it depends on uh, how much uh, trouble uh, a protected groups, protected minority groups, have uh, as compared to white voters. And also, right in getting in securing the identification, you mean. Uh, yeah, right. uh, and, and uh, you know, uh, uh, in getting the ID and understanding what's the proper ID. Uh, yeah, that's what I mean. That's I, I think if you just publish uh, for the public and say any of these possible things, you can go to your local library, you can go to a gas station, and and you know maybe get authentication. I mean, just make it easy for all people, uh, so that there's so that you're not making it harder on a particular racial group. Yeah, well, you've got the idea, the idea of what the Constitution intends, that uh, this is a protected right, the right to vote, and it should be easy for citizens uh, to be able to get registered and to vote. And the question is, are there unnecessary impediments being thrown in their path or not? That's really right. how these cases turn. Yeah, well, you know, I'm, I'm always worried that we throw the baby out with the bathwater. We have an idea, and rather than advance the idea so that it's equally applied to all people, uh, we just throw the idea out, and so I, I worry a little bit about that. But, you know, racism is one of those accusations. Let me make one more quick point. Sure. My, my personal pet peeve is if Republicans really do care about honest voting and the possibility of voter fraud, then go after absentee voters, too. Don't just go after those who show up in person and check out their ID to make sure they aren't. You bet. Somebody. You bet. Because, yeah. uh, the, the Brennan Center and other researchers have found actual vote fraud is very, very rare. But those cases where it has been uh, found, uh, uh, those who cheat with, with uh, absentee balloting, three times more than in-person balloting, and absentee voters tend to vote Republican, while those who are showing up in person tend to vote Democrat. Yeah, you know, it's interesting we talk about racism really not only in the Republican Party but in the Democratic Party as well. Um, you know, folks like Donald Sterling, he's a registered Republican uh, that's caught in this racist controversy. But it turns out that he's had a, a fairly long and substantial track record of making campaign contributions to many Democratic candidates. So he, he's kind of on both sides here. Well, he's like he's a smart businessman. <laughs> That's very common among business uh, uh, entrepreneurs and corporations that they cover both bases. Uh, but no, they don't necessarily have to be committed just to one political party or the other. That's right. Yeah, that, you know, it's one of the racism is one of those accusations. It's it's very difficult to disprove. I mean, the more you deny it, it almost seems like the more it rings true. So, in your view, how does a GOP counteract uh, accusations like that? Uh, unfortunately, we we got to go to a break here in just a moment, and I don't want to unload a question like that on you and then give you ten seconds to answer like every other news nice program. <laughs> you know, I, I hate that they they you know the host will give you a a big bomb of a question and then go yeah well uh, thanks for your four second answer and uh, and that's no fun but yeah but I, I before we go to break I, I just want to pose this question exactly what do you do uh, as a party or even as a candidate when you're painted with the racism brush uh, it seems to me that that's a, a really sticky place to get out of and uh, you might have some comments on that we have to take another break stay right where you are and we'll be right back with more from Clarence Page you're listening to the Costa Report The crisis in the Ukraine is the latest global conflict to pit the United States against Vladimir Putin's Russia. While the Cold War may have ended, U.S.-Russia diplomacy is here to stay. Understanding this volatile new era is not easy. For many years, experts have been trying to explain Russia's new leadership, but cracking the inner circle has remained elusive until now. The American Program Bureau represents some of the most knowledgeable and prominent Russian insiders who are available to speak to your organization. Experts such as Mikhail Gorbachev former leader of the Soviet Union and master architect of modern-day Russia. Vladimir Posner, the dean of Russian journalism. Andrei Kosarev, the first foreign minister under Boris Yeltsin. And Pavel Palashenko, chief advisor for 25 years to Gorbachev, are available to speak at your next event. 
No Speakers Bureau offers greater insights into how Russia impacts our economy, our world, and our lives. To schedule these esteemed leaders for your next event, contact the American Program Bureau at 800-225-4575 or apbspeakers.com. The Redwood Mountain Fair is coming May 31st and June 1st to Roaring Camp in Felton. This family-friendly event presents 22 bands featuring Lucas Nelson and POTR, Hot Buttered Rum, Pimps of Joy Time, Roy Rogers and the Delta Rhythm Kings, Sherry Austin with Hen House, Florida Kanya, John Craigie, The Chop Tops and more. Enjoy a weekend of music, local food, wine, microbreweries, arts and crafts and the kids area. Proceeds from the fair benefit local nonprofit organizations. Tickets and info at redwoodmountainfair.com. The sun is high in the sky, which means it's time to get your RV and trailers ready to roll. Hi, I'm Rena Mills, owner of RV Service Center of Santa Cruz, your locally owned RV parts and repair center with over 38 years of service to the Central Coast community. In addition to RV repairs, our qualified staff services and maintains boat, horse, and utility trailers, in addition to toy haulers. We also restore vintage RVs and work hand-in-hand with all insurance companies to ensure that your RV is restored to its original condition. Tune up your RV for summer with RV Service Center's pre-summer special. 20% off all parts and service. Call now. Offer ends Memorial Day. Get your RV and trailers ready to roll with the help of your friends at RV Service Center. You'll find us easy to reach and easy to use at 2525 Mission Street, Cross Streets, Mission and Swift Streets in Santa Cruz. Call us at 831-427-0881 or RVS CSC.com. Shirtcrafter, your one-stop print shop, has been locally owned and operated in Santa Cruz for a decade, providing custom design services to help you build your brand. Shirtcrafter provides top-of-the-line custom screen printing, digital printing, embroidery, stickers, banners, business cards, and so much more. They carry top-quality brands of gear from T-shirts and polos to sweatshirts and ball caps. Whether you're outfitting your softball team or team building for your business, Shirtcrafter has it all. So build your brand with Shirtcrafter, located at 111 Ingalls Street in Santa Cruz, or go to www.shirtcrafter.com. Or you could give them a call at 831-423-0537. That's Shirtcrafter, 831-423-0537. This is Sylvia Panetta. Join us for the final event of the Leon Panetta 2014 Lecture Series. On Monday, June 2nd, Secretary Panetta will focus on how presidents make decisions, leadership, crisis, politics, and trust, with David Axelrod, Erskine Bowles, Andrew Card, and Kenneth Duberstein. How does a president deal with crises in politics while maintaining the trust of the people? Join us Monday, June 2nd, 7 p.m., KSCO. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and today we're speaking with journalist Clarence Page. And before the break, I posed the question, what does a party and a candidate do uh, to fend off accusations of racism? Because once the accusation is made, it's difficult to remove that stigma. Well, I, uh, for one, have uh, been very disappointed in my life to have seen uh, the Republican Party become alienated from black voters in particular. Uh, I can remember in uh, 1960, uh, black voters between John F. Kennedy and, and uh, Richard M. Nixon, uh, well over a third of black votes went to Nixon. It was not unusual for black folks to be Republican. Uh, I, in fact, this is the party of Lincoln we're talking about here. Uh, but uh, since the uh, 64 Goldwater race, we have seen uh, an increasing alienation over the years until 2012 when Mitt Romney won majority of the white vote and lost the majority of every other uh, major demographic group and thus the election. Uh, now we see the Republican Party, from the top anyway, uh, trying to reach out as they should. Uh, and uh, But, you know, uh, if, if you want to know uh, how to avoid uh, charges of racism, et cetera, uh, have a rapport with minority communities. Uh, the late Jack Kemp, uh, you know, a vice presidential candidate in, in 96, a congressman from uh, New York and a former pro football star, 
Uh, Jack Kemp had a terrifically good rapport with black and Hispanic and low-income communities around the country uh, and became a role model uh, for people like uh, uh, Paul Ryan, uh, now who was a protege of Jack Kemp, uh, and uh, various other Republicans, Rand Paul, and, uh, and, and, and some others have made concerted efforts now to uh, reach out to minority communities. But you've, you've got to get out, get out like any other voting constituency and become familiar with people. Uh, uh, stop talking and listen to them as they tell you what their concerns are, and then begin to work with them for how your party can provide a better alternative to what Democrats are offering. Uh, but if you don't do that, then people are going to be suspicious. And once people are suspicious, you don't get away with statements, uh, say, that are made by those whom they trust. Yeah, that's absolutely right. You're you're, you're held to a different standard. Uh, and actually, I'll tell you, there are a lot of independents like Lou Dobbs that agree with you that the GOP is really got to get back to a big tent idea where it's inclusive, um, not exclusive. And uh, they've, you know, they they kind of just uh, they, they headed down the wrong road and they have to try to earn their way back. And the key well, word there, of course, is earn. You have to earn people's trust. You can't just ask for it and you certainly can't demand it. Now, getting back to the midterm elections, there, there are still a lot of unanswered questions about Benghazi. How important is that going to be in these elections, or are we having Benghazi fatigue also? Well, we've had eight committee hearings already, uh, and uh, we're about to have another one, which I don't expect we'll find anything substantially different from what the earlier ones have. And uh, Benghazi itself has become a political mantra uh, that is a signal to others as to where you stand politically. <laughs> if you're suspicious about Benghazi, then people <laughs> presume you're a Republican. And if you say Benghazi again, <laughs> then people presume you're a Democrat. You know, it's, it's become a marker. So in the midterm elections, when you're trying to get out the base, that's okay. You use whatever buzzword you can to rally your base. Uh, and uh, if you can, try to uh, discourage the other party's base. Uh, but that's what Benghazi has become. I uh, tweeted out that uh, Benghazi is like the birther movement. <laughs> and uh, yeah. I, I got some angry tweets from right-wingers <laughs> saying, I don't care about the people who were killed at Benghazi. Hey, you know, I'm a, I'm a Vietnam-era Army veteran. I care very much about how our officials, our State Department people, and others are treated, uh, those who die in the line of duty. But I also don't like to see them exploited for political purposes, and I think that's what's happening with the Benghazi issue now. Well, now, in one of your blogs, uh, you made the interesting observation that these attacks uh, on, on Benghazi and these endless investigation uh, requests are really an attempt to deal a blow to Hillary Clinton in advance of the next presidential election. Is that right? Well, that's true, too. Uh, but I think as a practical matter, they're dealing less of a blow to Hillary than rallying the base. Uh, if any name rallies conservatives uh, as much or more than Barack Obama's name, it's Hillary Clinton's name. <laughs> That's <laughs> just right. By, just by dropping that name, you immediately raise the blood pressure of certain people who you want to have come out and vote for you if you're on the right. So uh, I think that's what, again, you know, that's using that tragedy at Benghazi for political gain rather than really trying to get at the truth. Now, how about these revelations by uh, Snowden that have made citizen surveillance an issue? Are we going to hear more about the invasion of privacy or the overreach of the IRS? I'm fascinated by this. You know, I, uh, I had you heard about the uh, decision by the uh, United Kingdom, not the United Kingdom, but, but the European Union's high, highest court, uh, the um, a right to be forgotten ruling. <laughs> uh, they, uh, you know, uh, Europeans, we're talking here about the balance of, of privacy versus the public's right to know. And Americans respect that public's right to know more than Europeans do. They tend to respect the right to privacy more. And I know I'm going to get some of my fellow Americans who will argue with me, but let's face it, we are some of the least private people in our current culture right now, uh, with the, putting everything out on Facebook and Twitter and, every, uh, and, and other things. We're very schizophrenic about that privacy. We yeah. don't want the government getting metadata on our phone calls, but we're happy to tell everybody in the universe who we called on Facebook. 
Yeah, that's right. And yeah, pe- people complain about the metadata issue, but how many of them are rallying out there to, to put candidates into office who are going to shut down the NSA? I mean, uh, it, it's the old quandary that Benjamin Franklin uh, referred to in terms of, you know, when, when he, he wrote uh, to uh, an associate that uh, those who want to sacrifice a little liberty for a little safety don't deserve to have either one. Uh, well, you know, does it have to be an either or proposition? Can we have both? That's what we've been trying to uh, do in this country. And uh, so I, you know, I've been looking with something of a jaundiced eye at all this concern about privacy when Americans really don't seem to be in their uh, own lives taking it that seriously. In other words, we want, we want our stuff to be private, but we want everybody else's stuff to be open. That's right. Uh, We are very schizophrenic and we have a double standard to boot when it comes to privacy. We, I think mostly what people are nervous about is having the government uh, have the ability to go in and get any kinds of records uh, that they uh, want. But, you know, private corporations, private corporations. I I am way more you, you. I am with you there. I am way more concerned about consumer surveillance by Neiman Marcus and Target. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, and credit scores and this sort of thing. And, yeah. and trying to get your credit score corrected, it is a major operation. And, and you know, where's the accountability here? I like to see Americans get angrier about that. Well, yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I spoke not too long ago at the National Retail Federation, and I had to, it was all the CIOs of all the major retail organizations. And uh, it was amazing what technology they had. In fact, it made the NSA stuff look silly. That's right. Uh, uh, because they're, they've got the deep pockets to be able to uh, purchase, you know, state-of-the-art technology that even has uh, the, these stores and these retailers watching you as you comb through their catalogs on your mobile phones. That's they're, right. They're watching whether your eyes, uh, you know, are landing on a particular product. And then, uh, not surprisingly, about 10 seconds later, they're offering you a discount coupon on that uh, particular product that your eyes landed on for an extra 10 seconds. That's right. And, and we trade a lot of privacy uh, in return for free services, uh, Google and others on the web uh, who are selling advertising, but they're also tallying what you uh, look at and uh, how you shop around uh, or, or uh, do your research and that sort of thing in order to uh, try to target you for future sales. So it's a, a big trade-off, and the technology keeps on uh, uh, changing. Uh, and it's not like the Indianapolis 500 track. It only speeds up. It never gets slower. <laughs> <laughs> That's absolutely right. Well, now, we're going to have to take another break, but when we come back, I'd like to ask you about uh, the Affordable Care Act. You know, when I we have a lot of... Uh, uh, folks that are running for office that uh, visit us here at the Costa Report. And when I ask them, what do you think is the top issue that's going to come up in the midterms? They keep saying the Affordable Care Act, but, I, you know, we've been talking about racism fatigue and Benghazi fatigue. I can't think of anything that people are more sick of talking about than the Affordable Care Act. But maybe I've been in the media too long and maybe <laughs> I just don't get it. So uh, when we come back, I'd like to ask you about that. We're going to take our last scheduled break. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. I'm here today with Scott Caraccioli of Caraccioli Cellars, and I have a question for you, Scott. What goes into making Method Champenois Bubble? You know, it's a process that's really defined by the French government that we've taken and enacted into our wines, which really drive the quality of our sparkling project. So this is a process that the French government defines pretty specifically, and you remain faithful to that. Yeah, 100%, and in some places we push it a little bit. Now, how do the bubbles translate on the palate? You know, it really gives you that vehicle, that mousse for the character of the sparkling wine, carrying the fruit and the complexity. It's the expression of the wine. To find out more about Caraccioli Wines, visit us at www.caracciolicellars.com or stop by our tasting room in downtown Carmel, California. That's Caraccioli Cellars, C-A-R-A-C-C-I-O-L-I. Cellars, come taste the difference. Did you know that every day we create 2.5 quintillion bytes of data and that 90% of the data in the world today has been created in the last two years alone? This data comes from everywhere and it affects everyone. 
This data is big data. Big data is all data, and it's more than simply a matter of size. Big data represents an opportunity to uncover new insights, make your business more agile, and answer questions that were previously beyond your reach. IBM's big data platform uses sophisticated technologies and patented advanced analytics designed to complement your existing information infrastructure. The IBM Big Data platform allows you to get started quickly today and expand to address more complex problems tomorrow. It doesn't matter where you start; it matters that you start. Find out how IBM can help you turn big data into a competitive advantage by visiting ibm.com/bigdata today. Answer this: How many people have their very own small craft harbor leading out to one of the most beautiful bodies of water in the world? Yes, we are among the very few, and we are happening at the harbor, and you are invited. Hello, out there! As a member of the locally owned business community, you are invited to join your friends at Think Local First County of Santa Cruz to celebrate the 50th anniversary of our small craft harbor. Thursday, 5:30 to 7:30 at the Aldo's Restaurant Pier, west side of the Yacht Harbor. We'll enjoy lively beach and sand music from Island Breeze. Taste yummy treats from Maro, John, and Alfredo of Aldo's Restaurant. Ice cream from Mission Hill, and oh yes, beer from the barrels of Santa Cruz Mountain Brewery and Uncommon Brewers. You will have fun meeting, mixing, and munching at Think Local First, happening at the Harbor this Thursday, five thirty to seven thirty at Aldo's Beer. Dress in layers, dust in case. Bring quarters for the meter and come for the fun to Think Local First, happening at the Harbor Thursday, five thirty to seven thirty. My name is Debbie, and I'm from Aptos. About four years ago, I remodeled my house, and it was professionally decorated. I wanted it to look like a magazine inside, so of course, the end was beautiful plants. But how am I going to take care of them? So I called Jungle Plant, and Dale gave me a fabulous estimate. She comes in faithfully every week, waters, dusts, fertilizes, takes such great care of my indoor plants. And believe me, I have 15 of them. Everything from a large ficus to beautiful orchids. She's totally. Professional, trustworthy. She comes in when I'm not there. I really depend on her to keep things looking great, and she's become my really good friend. She's really knowledgeable about plants, knows where to put them so that they thrive. And if something goes wrong, she replaces the plants. My plants are a big part of my home decor, and I love looking at them and feeling something alive and green. So thanks to Jungle Plant, my home is complete. So give Jungle Plant a call at four six two five eight zero six or visit jungleplant dot com. Welcome back to the Costa Report. I'm Rebecca Costa, and my guest today is Clarence Page. So conservatives seem to think that uh, the Affordable Care Act is the Achilles heel this election, but despite a misstep in the implementation of the website, enrollment numbers were met, and the program seems to be working. So I, I don't know. Where, where do you attack it? Well, uh, Republicans need a backup plan, I think, because they initially were uh, uh, planning nationally to make Obamacare the center of their assault. And they still are making it a, a central theme of, a theme of this year's midterms. But uh, they're pressured more and more to, instead of just saying repeal it, uh, to say repeal and, and replace uh, because it is working well for so many people, and uh, the sign-ups have been higher than uh, predicted. Uh, and uh, uh, there is a national need for uh, some kind of sanity in our uh, health insurance system. Uh, and Republicans don't have a consensus. They've, uh, a number of them in Congress have offered alternatives, but there's no consensus among Republicans around one particular plan. Uh, so that's kind of up in the air. And at the state level, uh, it's, it's a mixed bag. In, in Oregon, for example, a, a Democratic state, uh, their rollout was such a disaster that they had to turn to the federal system, and now their Democratic governor is being pressured by uh, what, four, four opponents uh, in their uh, primary uh, uh, leading up in November. Uh, then you've got Kentucky, which is a, a, a red-leaning swing state, uh, where the Democratic governor did roll out uh, 
uh, an Obamacare program that's been uh, quite successful. That's a state where, where Mitch McConnell uh, is trying to get reelected, and uh, he's getting a uh, he survived a, uh, a challenge from the right in the primaries, but uh, now he's up against a, a pretty uh, formidable opponent uh, 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 from the Democratic side. So it, it's going to be a mixed bag around the country about Obamacare. I, I think you're right. Uh, you know, the way I described it not too long ago, I was invited to do a debate um, uh, on uh, these new private and public health exchanges. And, and I said, look, I'm from Silicon Valley. You know, we, the reason we release software as 1.0 is because all the things that didn't work are going to be in 2.0. And 3.0, it's, it, it's, it, it's an evolution process. You improve yeah. and you perfect as you go along. You don't throw out. Uh, And and I think that's what the American people want to hear. They want to hear like, okay, uh, it it isn't perfect. It needs to be perfected like everything else. We perfect our laws. We perfect our software. Uh, You know, I I don't understand why we can't. uh, We have no tolerance for imperfection and no understanding that these things have to evolve over time. Now, now let's take the scenario where the GOP takes the majority in the House and the Senate. Um, in your view, what does that do? Well, a more gridlock, I, I see. Uh, and we already have a lot of gridlock. It's virtually impossible for President Obama to get anything. How can there be more gridlock? Uh, well, that's a good question, and, and 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 that's one reason why I think we might actually see less gridlock, uh, because let's face it, President Obama uh, will only have two years left in office, uh, and uh, uh, Republicans are facing 2016, uh, where they're expected to be at as much of a disadvantage as they are at an advantage this year. Uh, so they're really going to be pressured to come up with some alternative ideas and to show they really know how to govern and not just say no. Uh, so I'd say there's, uh, you know, still a, a lot of questions remaining as to just what it would mean to have uh, Republicans running both houses. They would really have to, uh, I think, uh, have more pressure to come up with some ideas for solving the problems that Americans have to deal with, like jobs. Well, you know, to me, I don't know. I'm speculating here, but I don't see much change. I, I, I don't. I don't know. I, I'm, I'm probably speaking for a lot of Americans, but whether they take the Senate or not, I think if you're not presenting ideas, fresh ideas, fresh solutions to the American people, as an independent, I, I'm not a Republican or a Democrat. I have to say that uh, whoever has the best ideas gets my vote, not who's opposing the other party. I don't care. I agree with you fully on that, which is why I've been disappointed that we haven't seen more ideas coming from the Republican side. Although, you know, I I interviewed uh, uh, Paul Ryan a couple of weeks ago, and like I say, he comes out out of that uh, Jack Kemp policy wonk uh, school, uh, uh, trying to find good market-based solutions. I like those guys, you know, because because they, they think logically and it's easy to follow them. That's right. And, you know, we, we found a real revolution of ideas back in the 1980s uh, coming from both sides that led the uh, school vouchers, charter schools, uh, the earned income tax credit. Uh, and, and, in fact, uh, uh, Obamacare, as we know it, was really hatched in the Conservative Heritage Foundation. Mitt Romney adopted it for Massachusetts. I mean, that's the way America really works is when you get ideas coming from both sides. And uh, maybe we will see more of that uh, over the next couple of years. Um, but at the same time, we have a tremendous publicity machine for extremism on both sides uh, coming through uh, various new media and all. There's a, there's a lot of noise out there uh, of people just doing a name calling and coming up with what I call made up issues uh, <laughs> that uh, are just designed to get people uh, angry and to uh, uh, help you raise campaign funds or get votes or raise TV or, or radio ratings. Present program excluded. Of course. <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I will tell you, you and I are on the same page here. We've got plenty of actual real problems, energy independence, uh, security issues, education, so that we can be globally competitive, the deficit. These are issues on which all Americans are concerned and and interested in new proposals, new ideas. I don't know that we've got to go to social issues so much, or and I don't know that we've got to, you know, get into this kind of bickering. Like, let's just get on with the things that we've got to get, get taken care of. 
I like to think that we may be in kind of a shakeout period now. Uh, we're seeing uh, the uh, the uh, pragmatic establishment Republicans now begin to edge out the Tea Party extremists because they tend to lose elections, and they, and, and now they uh, Republicans want to win again. Uh, and uh, at the same time, uh, Democrats have got to start coming up with some ideas because you know, for example, what if Hillary Clinton decided not to run twenty sixteen? I mean, let's face it, on the Democratic side, everybody's looking for her. Presume she's going to run, and that's why you haven't seen any other Democrats rising up with uh, any kind of alternative ideas and all. Everybody's uh, playing a, uh, you know the wait and see game. Uh, but Democrats need to also address these issues that are out there because they're not going to have Barack Obama rallying everybody with his uh, uh, brilliant hope and change campaign like in 2008. That's absolutely right. Well, we are out of time for today, but uh, before we say goodbye, I do want to thank you for helping us week after week understand some of the most difficult challenges of our time. Thank you, Mr. Page. Thank you for having me on your program. I really appreciate it. I'm honored. Thank you very much for being with us, and you come back soon. Thank you. I look forward to it. If your station is leaving us after this hour and you have a question or a comment to make about our interview with Clarence Page, you can drop me a note on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and also at our website at RebeccaCosta.com on the contact page. And and if you missed uh, any part of today's interview, you can listen to the full program on Apple iTunes, Podbean, Voice America, and also the Costa Report website. Just click on the guest photograph on our website and listen from the convenience of your computer or your mobile device. And while you're at our website, be sure to pick up your copy of The Watchman's Rattle. Just uh, click on the bookstore page where we've curated a reading list for listeners who are still curious and engaged and inquisitive and want to understand this fast-changing, complex world we're living in. In a world where there are a lot more opinions and unproven beliefs than empirical facts on which to base our decisions, the best way to arm ourselves is with knowledge. And that's why we're on the air each and every week, and also why I wrote The Watchman's Rattle. And why we curate a reading list which contains books from the most important thinkers in modern times. So go to RebeccaCosta.com, get the Watchman's Rattle, and while you're there, be sure to check out our book list. I, I think you'll be impressed. There's probably some books you're, you're already familiar with, and, uh, and you may even want to reread. I don't know if other people do this, but every now and again I come across a book and I say, you know, I enjoyed that so much, maybe I'll pick it up again. Mark your calendars right now, because my guest next week is former Secretary of Defense and Director of the CIA, Mr. Robert Gates. He'll be here to talk about how Presidents Bush and Obama managed warfare, threats, and foreign leaders, as well as the growing destabilization abroad. Uh, Don't miss a riveting conversation with former Secretary of Defense Robert Gates right here on the only news program that puts policy ahead of politics. Now stay tuned for a second hour of Straight Talk Radio. I want to, once again, before we go to the second hour, take a moment to thank my first hour guest, Mr. Clarence Page. And if for those of you who don't catch his blog every week or his column every week, please do go to his website. I think you'll be amazed at some of the insights he has on what's coming up in the midterm election. He always seems to be ahead of the game. Now stay tuned. We'll be right back. You're listening to the Costa Report. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 